Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome back everyone to our, oh I would like to say the number, it's about our nearly our 90th edition um, or 90th episode of Lead to Succeed now. And today we have Mark Manukas with us. And Mark is the managing partner of Co-Creation Partners. And Mark has a background in engineering and consulting at McKinsey. And he's also also the co-author of a book called Unfear. We're going to be tapping into that in this podcast. So Mark has a view that fearlessness is a myth. There's a lot about leadership, about, you know, not being fearful, being bold, going for it. But uh, Mark now talks about how, and he helps companies to take negative energy, fear and anxiety and use that as an opportunity for growth, learning and development. So part of his work is about creating transformation in companies. And Mark, a very big welcome to you. You've been doing this for about 15 years now. So if you'd like to do a quick introduction, that would be fantastic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, like you said, I, I've, for the last 15 years, I've been working in consulting, you know, first at McKinsey and Company for eight years, and then uh, now running a, a company called Co-Creation Partners. And so a lot of the work that we, we do and what I've, I've come to do in my career is to really focus on the human dimension of any transformation or business improvement effort. I've made many mistakes in my career, uh, particularly as an engineer by training, thinking that the, the answer is somewhere in the, the technical realm. And if you just have the perfect answer and if you can get the math just right, everything else works out. But I've, I've learned time and again that that's not the case. You have to you know, handle the human dimension of any organization in addition to the, uh, the nuts and bolts and you know, the, the technical aspect. And before McKinsey, I was an officer in the U.S. Navy as a civil engineer and a, a diver. And so I have been, you know, working on leadership in, in many ways, or at least reflecting on leadership for my, my whole career, both, uh, you know, in the Navy and as a management consultant, and also as a, a business owner. I, I co-own uh, Co-Creation Partners, but I also have a failed tech startup under my belt. So I had some, some failed starts in there, and I co-own some other small businesses in Washington, D.C., where I live. So I, I live and breathe uh, this stuff. I don't just talk about it in an abstract sense. I'm also trying to apply it in my own life, uh, which gives me a, a deep appreciation for how difficult this stuff really is. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure having you on, on the podcast, Mark. Thanks for taking the time out to, uh, to chat with us today. And, you know, there's a couple of things you mentioned there about having you know, like a very varied experience in a range of different roles and organizations. And you talked around that kind of like human dimension. Well, can, we, can we dive into that in a bit more detail? What, what exactly do you, do you mean by that aspect? Yeah, the human dimension, I mean, really the, the big idea there is that the, the world that we create on the outside, well, whether it's performance or um, you know, human well-being is a reflection of what we have going on within us. So our, our mindsets and our, our beliefs 
and you know the patterns of, of behavior that result from that. And so if you wanna create change on the outside world, you really need to look within first and change how you yourself as a leader are looking at things and translate that into you know, relationships and how you have conversations with people and then translate that into what happens out in the business. So it's really just an invitation to start within yourself before you try to create change on the outside. Good, that makes sense. So it's kind of really all around like the, the culture and the well-being of the company, but as you said, kind of like a reflection of how you, I guess, lead yourself. You're kind of like leading yourself first, right, before you try and lead other people within the business almost. Exactly. And we describe it as that, you know, we start with, you know, leading self. That's one of the first workshops we do in any transformation effort is leading self because it's so easy for leaders to say, well, the problem's on the outside. It's all these other people who are doing stuff. It's the market that's not cooperating. It's customers who are, who are you know, uh, creating challenges. And we invite people to really look at themselves and how they're showing up and how they're contributing to this situation. And if you can't get people to do that, particularly the senior leaders to do that, then it's next to impossible to create any sort of transformation in a business setting. So it's really about how do you get people to be self-aware and, and have better self-regulation and deeper curiosity, and then focus on the outside world. Sure. And that kind of ties into what we were talking about briefly before we started the podcast, you know, as a leader, feeling like you always need to know the answer to something and how you lead yourself and so on, which kind of brings into to the book that we talked about. Where does that title unfair come from? Yeah, so that so fear is one of the things that we talk about, particularly in that that leading self um, content. Um, you know, oftentimes leaders live in this dichotomy where they have a very dysfunctional relationship to fear. They either believe that you have to use fear to create results, either for yourself or with other people, because fear motivates. Let's be honest; it it really does motivate us, at least in the short term. And so they've come to believe that they need to use fear in that that way. Or you have a, this belief that fear is bad, right? You need to be fearless. And so what we do when we inevitably you know, have fear is we push it down and suppress it and almost pretend that it doesn't exist. And both of those create some dysfunctional leadership uh, patterns. So we want people to see fear as just a human emotion and to see uh, you know, not to use fear to create results or to suppress fear or hide from it, but to see fear as a cue for learning and growth. Because if you can experience fear and see it as a cue for learning and growth, all this whole you know, field of new possibilities for action emerge um, in that, uh, the, that realization. And so that's part of what we, we help leaders do is just reframe their experience of fear. It's very interesting for you to hear you talk about fear in that way and use it as a way to transform fear from a negative perspective to an opportunity for learning and growth. So are there any practical steps that our listeners could, um, could use either with their team or if they are facing something and they're fearful of it? Is there something that you could recommend that they do? Yeah, there's a few skills that we, we help uh, leaders develop. Uh, one is just around awareness of their, their own emotions, particularly the body sensations that are associated with, with various emotions. So oftentimes we become overcome by an emotion and we don't realize that there's sort of a, a, a body sensation precursor to the experience of that emotion. And so getting people to slow down and really be much more in their bodies 
um, is one way for them to experience an emotion and not be so overcome by it. So that's, that's one important skill set uh, that helps people show up with more curiosity when they are experiencing any emotion, uh, including fear in a particular situation. Another one is ask you know, particular questions. So with fear in particular, um, asking the question, what can I learn from this is a really powerful question because it gets people into this curious state of mind and saying, interesting. So there's something here that's just you know, negative, that's challenging me, but rather than jump to solutions or whatever's going on, just say, hey, what, what can I learn from this, this situation? It may open up all sorts of other avenues for action that you might not otherwise know or appreciate. And what happens oftentimes when we experience fear is we default into um, certain patterns of behavior and a comfort zone um, that we, you know, that's maybe worked in the past, but oftentimes those patterns applied to this new situation just don't work as well. And so what can I learn from this is uh, a thought that helps people see some other ways they can be even more effective in this, this new situation. And have there been any particular experiences, Mark, where you've specifically have faced a situation where you've been very fearful and you use, you have used such techniques to get you through it? I mean, I think perhaps with your background in the Navy, you may have had lots of them, but maybe there's an example you could share. Yeah, of course, uh, all the time, every day even. Uh -huh. You know, I reflect on my, my Navy career, but I actually think the fears I have, it's, it's inter there's a distinction between physical threats and emotional threats. And so I think people oftentimes conflate the two. So um, I actually find it's easier to face physical threats because our, our ego or our identity isn't at stake. So sure, I was in situations in the Navy where, you know, you know, any military operation, there's, there's some potential danger and, uh, you know, people could get hurt. Uh, but I actually think the, the most intense fear I experience uh, or maybe recently is just a business owner, you know, where there's no threat to my physical body. You know, no one's going to get hurt in the, the work that I do. Um, but we can still have really intense emotions and really intense experiences of fear. So an example just recently is, um, you know, one thing that, that scares me quite a bit is um, business development, you know, as, as an engineer and as someone who has been, you know, deep into the technical aspect of consulting and delivering work, stepping into a world where I'm now having to develop more business is a place where I experience fear all the time. And so, uh, you know, I won't get physically hurt, but you know, if, if somebody doesn't reciprocate uh, a conversation or if a client decides not to sign a contract uh, with me, which does happen from time to time and has happened recently, it's really challenged you know, my sense of self. And so uh, you know, rather than making that person wrong or blaming myself for you know, um, uh, you know, being too hard on myself, I'm having to ask the, the question, what can I learn from this? You know, and that experience of fear is, is helping me see ways that I'm showing up uh, in ways that may not be super effective. They're helping me see ways where I can maybe write proposals in a more effective way or have better conversations with prospective clients and, you know, just ensures that I continue to learn from those experiences rather than shut down. So you're taking the questions. I mean, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, that's 
you know very personal and thanks and thanks for that but it's you're applying the techniques to yourself you're asking the questions and you're using it as an opportunity to grow and develop and learn which is the key essence of what you do yeah it's it's definitely the essence at that that self level for sure right and everything sort of builds on that uh, you know it's hard to have if you extend this out into teams and then organizations you know, if people aren't showing up with that sort of orientation, they're making other people wrong. Well, if you're making other people wrong, it's really difficult to build uh, trust-based relationships. It's really hard to have effective, difficult conversations and talk about the things that, that really matter or create the conditions for other people to feel safe to talk about what, what matters. And it's really difficult to create continuous improvement in organizations. Uh, so yeah, so it's a, it's a foundational building block. It sounds very simple as well, but it's it's often very, very difficult in practice because we, you know, are, we get so bound up in our egos and our sense of self, which is important. We need that to create results in the world. But when we become over-identified with the thought patterns uh, in our sense of self, then we get stuck. So that's it. And, and you're changing behaviors and that's, that's always a difficult aspect, isn't it? Because we're so comfortable with our behaviors that when now we're being challenged, and considering changing them or doing them a different way, that's always you know, get, gets at the heart of who we are. And we're perhaps thinking about doing things in a different way. Let's think about this from a leadership perspective, Mark. What, what, when you're working with leaders, what, how do you work with them in terms of overcoming fear or creating transformational change or leading teams? Yeah, a lot of the work we do happens, at least that sort of work happens in the context of, of workshops and, and executive coaching. So you can't force people to change or to see things in a, a certain way. You know, the art here is really creating the conditions for people to see that for themselves. So we'll have a conversation on a comfort zone, for instance, and in that conversation, have people realize how much they're living within their own comfort zone and how they're seeing fear as this bad thing that they need to avoid rather than that cue for learning and growth. And so we help them through that conversation discover the ways in which they're limiting their own growth. And then they make their own choices about how they want to step out of their comfort zone. That's uh, one, one thing I kind of wanted to, to, to touch on, Mark, which I think we've kind of like briefly touched on so far in the conversation. And it's something we've kind of talked about in previous episodes as well is, I think like the, the like the fear aspect of leadership in terms of like how you lead a team is kind of like conducive to that say like top down approach right where kind of like you have all the different levels level levels within a business and I feel like what we're seeing more of nowadays is kind of more of that like bottom up approach where the leader is there to kind of empower everyone serve not serve everyone but kind of empower their team to be as good as they can and like take risks and you know act as that safety net if if things go wrong. So do you think that's kind of like the general direction we're moving in with leadership in kind of uh, businesses a bit like, you know, like tech startup, like you mentioned? I do, although I, I think it could be done both in really effective ways and not effective ways. So one mm -hmm. thing we talk about in our, our book on fear is there's sort of patterns of behavior um, that we call the fear archetypes. And you've got the, the fight responses and there's a set of archetypes that, that live in there. Uh, but the general story there is I need to use fear to motivate or I need to stand out and look special in order to you know, keep myself safe. Um, and then you have the, the nice club uh, or the, uh, you know, it's, and those are the, um, you know, the flight or freeze responses. 
but we have this interesting uh, acronym for NICE, which is nothing in me cares enough to tell you the truth. And these are, you know, oh, these are styles yeah, and patterns of behavior. That nothing nothing, nothing in me cares enough to tell you the truth. So NICE, N-I-C-E. Okay. And I think there's a challenge. And so there's you know, a set of archetypes there, but the, the general pattern there is when you see a threat, you keep your head down and you just, you kind of avoid the conflict. And, you know, I think people recognize uh, that empowerment is important and they're, they're saying, look, I don't want to fall into that fight club, you know, pattern. So, you know, what do I do? I want to empower people, but then they potentially slide into the nice club. And so when people bring things up and, you know, there's conflict, they, they suppress it. So the, the key is to get out of that, that dichotomy and step into true empowerment where you're really embracing uh, you know, conflict and uh, in a constructive way and getting people to speak up and, and doing it from a, a trust-based uh, way rather than, um, yeah, either fighting or, or avoiding. What, what do you think is the best way, Mark, to say someone's like leading a team and you're, you're sharing that constructive feedback with the team? I think it can be very easy for it to maybe be like taken the wrong way. And especially when you're trying to like build that kind of like nice, not nice, but like a, a good, like well-being kind of culture. What do you think is the best way for like a leader to take something like that on and, and build that, that like right culture from, from day one? Yeah. Uh, so leaders, I mean, if you're wanting to build that culture, uh, there's a couple ways, there are a couple of things you absolutely need to do. One is you need a role model, right? You have to be willing to be the leader that you're expecting other people to be. And so I think one place I, I see leaders go wrong is they, they say, well, everyone else needs to change, but I'm okay. They're the problem. It's not me. And so you have to be willing to change first and do it in a very you know, public sort of visible kind of way. Uh, there's also a storytelling element as leaders. You really have to be uh, clear about um, you know, what's the story you're telling in the organization and reinforcing in the story through your words and your, your actions. And so it's one thing to say, hey, we want to you know, create a safe environment for people to speak up. People need to understand why that is. But if, you know, right down the road or, you know, a couple of weeks down the road, uh, somebody gets their hand slapped for making a mistake or, or trying something different, then there's an incongruence and people see that and they pick up on that. So you really have to be attuned to the, the potential disconnects and really clean up the stories and the actions that leaders are, are taking. I think that's a, an essential first step for sure. Thank you, Sharon. I agree with you completely, Mark, that it, the, we have to look within first and look at the type of leader we are and perhaps ask ourselves the question, would we like to be led by us? And, you know, be very open to what we think the answer to that is. But what do you recommend to, say, somebody who's um, leading a team, they're not the ultimate leader, but they are leading a team, and they know that the ultimate leader isn't receptive to new ideas, isn't receptive to innovation, isn't receptive to feedback. How do you suggest they might address that with the leader? Because there's a big risk in that. There's a fear in that, that they could be shut down. They could be told to go away. I mean, how I get this quite asked this question quite often. So Maybe you could throw some light on what might be a really good way to go about that. That's a beautiful question. And there, there's a couple of things I want to pick up on there. One is just the, even the phrase ultimate leader, because who is the ultimate leader <laughs> in that? And I, I, you know, in the work that we do, we say everyone's a leader. 
because whether you have the formal title or not, leadership's really an attitude. And you're always the CEO of your own life. And no matter where you sit in the organization, how you show up will energetically impact other people. And so by, and when you really embrace that mindset, um, a lot of people who maybe tend to be more middle managers in the, the hierarchy start to feel more empowered and start to see more possibilities to influence situations, whereas before they would sit back and say, well, the ultimate leader needs to tell me what to do, or they're going to decide whether or not I'm worthy or my ideas are worth it. So I think part of it really does start with the, your mindset for yourself, you know, wherever you sit in that, that um, hierarchy. Um, and the other idea is there's every choice has consequences. So yes, there is a, if there's a consequence to speaking up, there could be, and, you know, bad things could happen. There's also a consequence to not speaking up. And part of the work we, we do is just to help people realize the full set of consequences that they're, they're focusing on. Oftentimes we get stuck in a story and we see only one side of that. We only see the consequence of speaking up and we're really blind to, or we're discounting the, the consequences of, of not speaking up. And so when we consider all the consequences and really think through the, uh, a more complete picture, uh, we may find that different choices are actually called for in that situation. Uh, but ultimately, it's that leader's choice. Uh, and I say that leader, you know, maybe it's that middle manager's choice about how it is they want to show up and how they want to influence the, the situation. So it could be quite a tricky situation if they really feel that they need to share some information with, and I'm saying ultimately, just to kind of present it from a hierarchical yeah. perspective. And I do agree with you completely that everybody steps into their own leadership. But I don't like the word boss. So anyway, perhaps boss is easier to explain. So say this particular leader really re recognizes that their boss may not be open and receptive to some, some, to some feedback, but they think it's beneficial to them to give them that feedback. And so they could be very fearful about sharing that. They recognize if they don't say anything, nothing changes. But if they do say something, the boss might react um, in a way that's not helpful. Is there a way you think you could help them make perhaps frame that conversation to make it easier to address or perhaps have any techniques around that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll sort of pick up just a, a thread or a theme that I'll I keep coming back to, which is, you know, these, the mindset that we have or the stories that we're, we're telling about um, ourselves and in the situation, but oftentimes we we live in a story about the other person and where they're they're coming from, and that's normal and it's necessary. Uh, but sometimes we forget that it actually is a story. It's not the the complete truth. And so the real skill in, in having these kind of conversations is is stepping back and saying, okay, I do have a story about the other person, how they're showing up. How do I share that in a way that the other person can hear? And it's really owning your interpretation of what's going on. So rather than coming in and say, well, you're not listening to me, you know, you're, you're being stubborn, whatever the, the situation is. Um, wouldn't recommend that anybody <laughs> says that. Uh, but it could be, you know, look, I, you know, I, in the, the last meeting we had, you spoke over me uh, when I was, uh, was trying to, to get my point across. And the interpretation I had was, you're really not listening to me and you're not open to my ideas. Is that accurate? Um, so it's separating observation from interpretation is, is how we describe the, the skill, but it's really owning that you have a story about what's going on. 
but you're sharing it as just one interpretation of a universe of potential interpretations that you know could be there. And that that invites more dialogue and you know for people to say, oh no, that's not what I was trying to do. And you know, it just that sort of skill set, and there's other ones we could talk about are really essential to both share something that's really important to you, but also invite um, other people to share what's going on for them as well. And that's how you create movement. I love the way that you've suggested that might be um, actioned and dealt with, because I agree with you. You might have, you don't know what's happening in the other person's life. You don't know, you know what's going on in their mind. And we might build up a story that they've ignored me or not said good morning to me for the last three days on the trot, but really they've got a massive, maybe a personal issue or a challenge that they're dealing with, you know? So. They don't like me, they haven't spoken to me for the last three days, but that couldn't be further from the truth. But as you say, that might be the story that's built up in our mind. Yeah, yeah, and it's so easy. I mean, we just, we immediately come up with a whole story of what's what's going on based on just a few small little data points. Um, and again, it's necessary. We can't, couldn't get out of bed in the morning and, and function in, in life if we couldn't do that. But we oftentimes think that we have all the the truth you know it's we know exactly what's going on in the situation we really know very little yeah absolutely. there's one thing mark which i think it seems you you, you help your uh, clients with which is achieving like a, a breakthrough in, in performance as well as like creating that like good like well-being and culture side of things as well now i work in sales so any breakthrough in uh results is always is always of interest to me what a, what a, is that kind of like a, a mindset sort of approach that you help companies like take to achieving that breakthrough in performance as well, or is it is there some other kind of like underlying theme uh, to that? Yeah, that's an underlying theme, and when you focus on you know fear, changing a relationship to fear is a leverage point in you know this complex human organizational system. Uh, we believe that you can achieve both breakthrough performance and human well-being. Mm -hmm. Right, you can actually achieve performance through a lot of fear. That's the, that's the challenge with fear. Um, but there's always a consequence to human well-being. And a lot of people do stress the, you know, the physiology of that is that it really does sort of eat away at your, um, your cardiovascular system. It causes a lot of metabolic uh, disease. There's no level of sustained stress that's good for you, which is a surprising part of the reason. I always thought, well, you know, given my background, you know, you need to be a tough guy and can't show emotion. Well, some of that, you know, is, is good for you. There's actually the research shows that there's no level of, uh, of stress at a sustained level that's, that's good for you. Um, but I, I really do believe it's a both and. If you can change the way people relate to fear, not only can you get people and a critical mass of people in an organization to show up with more curiosity and innovation and, uh, and drive, you could also lower that level of stress that they would otherwise be feeling as well and achieve performance and well-being. And we, we've seen it done in, in client situations. So I believe it's, it's very possible, but it's, it's tough because it does require that a lot of leaders um, look within themselves as well and, and understand how they're contributing to what's going on. Knowing what you know now, Mark, what, would, what advice would you give your younger self? Hmm. Great question. When I reflect on my life, um, I really developed a, this hyper-competitive sort of know-it-all stance. Um, you know, it goes back to as a kid, you know, feeling like I didn't fit in and like I had to be better than everyone else in order to survive this, you know, this cruel sort of 
you know, unforgiving world. Uh, if I could go back and work with my younger self, I would really help my younger self understand the downside of that, that stance and that you could really, you don't need that level of stress or fear to drive you, you know, that um, showing up with curiosity rather than fear would actually have given me much better results and would have created much deeper satisfaction in my life much earlier on. Because ultimately, you know, I reached a point in my life where I was absolutely completely burnt out and stressed out, even though I was able to achieve, you know, great grades in school and get, get good jobs. I had a wake of bad relationships, um, both at work and in my personal life um, that I could point to. And I was just unsatisfied with life and I was stressed out and just not happy in general. And so I was creating fear in myself to generate results. And now I don't have as much of that and I'm actually more productive and happier at the same time. So I believe in that, that both and, and I wish my younger self believed in that as well. Well, that's fantastic to hear. And thank you for sharing that as well. And you're really showing us that from that experience, how you're helping others to create a big change in their life. And I guess if we were to summarize it and pull it together, uh, you may want to change these words, but for me, it's around taking fear, taking a different look at fear and using techniques, some of the techniques that you've talked about. I'm sure you have loads more. There's probably lots covered in your book uh, to see fear in a different light and be more curious about what does this really mean? How could I explore it? How can I use it to... Um, to learn and and gain and see things in a different way and change my perspective and reframe it. Would, would you say that was fair? Yeah, I think you you got it spot on. That's it. You know, fear is just an emotion, but how we relate to it makes all the difference. I think there's a lot of things that we've shared in this podcast, Mark, that our listeners can definitely take away mm -hmm. and use and have like a different pers uh, different perspective on fear motivating team building out that culture within their within their team or, or their business and as we draw things to a close you know we often like to give time back to our guests to share anything that they've got cropping up in, in their business any projects that they're working on or how they how our listeners can, can get in touch with you so kind of back over to you mark is there anything you would like to share what would you like to share that's going on in your life with our with our listeners yeah absolutely so my my company co-creation partners uh, we help leaders you know see the these hidden drivers of performance and well-being in their, their organization. And we help um, senior leadership teams in particular get aligned and create real meaningful change in the organization. So, you know, I would just love to um, just invite anyone who's interested in, in having a conversation about any of what we, we talked about to, to reach out. Um, you can find us at cocreationpartners.com. That's cocreationpartners with no dashes. Or you can email me, mark at cocreationpartners.com. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Is there anything you wanted to, to add in? No, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom and your experience and your knowledge with us, Mark. It's much appreciated indeed. Thank you very much. And we wish you lots of continued success. Likewise. And I, I love the topics on your, your podcast and I, I wish you continued success and, and keep getting the good word out there about all these, these great ideas. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks very much, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rgen.co.uk rjen, website.